0: Welcome to episode 64 of the Hockey Free For All podcast, and yes, we are already back with another episode, as not only is the summer flying by, but the topics are still lots and lots and lots of different varieties of things to talk about. It is amazing, not only traditional hockey topics, but all kinds of weird expectations from management to other kinds of social platform issues. It's just been a really bizarre summer, but it's kept everything certainly entertained No question about that. So, without continuing to just rattle on, let's get on to this week's topic, which centers around listening to some really interesting conversations and comments lately being made about Kent Hughes that are kind of disturbing. Because if you look at what Kent Hughes has done since arriving in Montreal, just like Jeff Gordon, just like Martin St. Louis, everybody who's come into and been a part of and been named to this new management group have hit home runs every time and yet there is still an amazing and quite disturbing desire to question grade first of all who thinks they have that ability and secondly of all why is it even a conversation everything Kent Hughes has touched has turned to gold let's talk about a trade that's recently come back around that he started off by making last summer Jeff Petrie and Ryan Paling found their way to Pittsburgh after a very tumultuous regular season for Jeff Petrie, at which time his wife was even more unhappy than he was with the ridiculous regulations being imposed by yet another government during COVID for non-legitimate reasons and wanted out and didn't like the fact that her kids were being subjected to these ridiculous concepts as well. So he bided his time. Finished out the season, didn't cause any particular issues on the roster or anything else as far as chemistry issues, room chemistry, balance, all those things that people love to talk about, and found his way to Pittsburgh. And in return, Montreal got a fourth round pick and defenseman Mike Matheson, who everybody wanted to question, which was really bizarre because Mike Matheson is a hometown native, which everybody is always talking about how there should be more of, my God, there should be more of an influence, more of a presence. There should be more of a sheer number of people from the province of Quebec on the Montreal roster. And yet people wanted to question this guy before he even got his feet on the ground. As it turns out, Matheson goes on to have a career career year, even after missing games of injuries, scores, I believe, a career high point total for last year. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Petrie, has an abysmal year in Pittsburgh, and now, moving to this year, in this offseason, has returned to Montreal in the most bizarrest of trades as Montreal got themselves involved in the Eric Carson deal, really more of a facilitator. To be able to make that trade happen between Pittsburgh and San Jose, Montreal said, hey, well, how can we benefit from that? What might we get rid of as far as contracts on our end, and what might we gain in asset management? Not only player established, but draft picks, which of course, Montreal went on to acquire. A second round pick in the 2025 draft defenseman Jeff Petrie again prospect 22 year old right winger Nathan Laguerre did okay goaltending depth prospect Casey DeSmith unloaded the contracts of Mike Hoffman who nobody thought Montreal was going to be able to do without some at a minimal retainment amount percentage of his contract they retained none moved on from Rem Pitlick who honestly became lost on the roster I think in his inaugural year played very well played above expectations last year I think just became a lost player within the numbers and all the players transitioning in and out of the lineup. Decluttering the amount of forwards that Montreal is facing this season coming into because they had 16, now they're down to 14. I have a feeling Laguerre will probably end up in Laval and as a depth player. If he makes the NHL roster, most likely is the fourth line right wing. Nothing wrong with that. That's not an inferior position at all. Well, anybody can make that. No, not anybody can't make that. That is a valuable position as well. Maybe he becomes that right winger. Maybe he gets. It's turned into another asset as part of a compensation package going to another team. Who knows? Nobody's a fortune teller, as we all know. But the big topic here, Petrie returns in a trade from Pittsburgh. So now, Montreal really ended up with Petrie and Mike Matheson both for Ryan Paling unbelievable no i don't think anybody would have predicted that kind of outcome for that trade but it was done with the fact that montreal knew as an organization and jeff petrie knew that he wasn't going to play here this time he knew that based on the way that he left previously there was no way montreal was going to disrupt the chemistry montreal was going to create just as overloaded of a defense as they were trying to already deal with an overloaded offense so that made no sense so he was going to get traded and everybody was like a vulture going When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Uh, when it's supposed to? Really? This isn't like done for people's conveniences. This isn't done with a predetermined clock or calendar. Trades happen when they best serve an organization, as everyone well knows. That's not a secret or some type of miracle advice or some type of golden, oh my God, how did you know that? It's common sense. So Petrie was back for a little bit. Now, of course, has been traded to the Detroit Red Wings. Montreal, I think, made a statement. You talk about an organization going to the extreme for a player and his family. Not only was he not coming back to Montreal, he got traded to the Red Wings in the state of Michigan, his hometown which everybody had to think that Michigan and Texas were the preferred locations this time around as his family's from Michigan her family's from Texas obviously they deeply wanted their families one of or both of more involved in their children and their family which is nothing wrong with fantastic. So he gets traded to Detroit in return Montreal gets Gustav Lindstrom who is 24 years old right-handed defenseman so Montreal gets more right-handed depth upside to be determined the guy has played 158 NHL games in a unspecified role so how comfortable is a player going to be in an unspecified role i mean players certainly going to do everything they can obviously they want to showcase their skills But you can only do so much if you're not given a regular spot, line mates, expectations, and you're just kind of, okay, let's see what you got. Well, you're going to prove then what you got. But it's going to be a lot different than being, okay, you're going to know from game to game, I'm going to be on this pairing. I'm going to play with this player. I'm going to be out in these situations. Makes a huge difference in how you are able to apply your talents, skills, and performance in the end result. And Montreal gets a fourth round pick. Now, could Montreal have gotten more for Petrie? Yeah, this was done for a number of reasons. Yeah, compensation is important for teams. Best positioning the teams in trades is important. And Montreal fared very well in this. It's not like they put themselves in a bad situation. That being said, this was more of, for the people that still want to question Ken Hughes, his 25 years as a player agent. And player agents, yes, player agents are concerned about and supposed to get you the greatest payday, if you will, from contract to contract. But they're also deeply involved in your personal life. How does your career affect your family? What's the preferences of your family? What's your preferences? What country do you want to play in? Do you think you're becoming a major important part of that team? Do you want to be more important than you are likely allowed to be on that team because of either strong competition, lack of opportunity, coaching style, whatever the reason is, player agents get involved in all that. Back when Kent Hughes first got hired as general manager, those were some of the intangibles I was talking about that he brings a very unique skill set full of to the position of general general manager. He is going to be, without question, an out-of-the-box general manager. He is positioning opportunities for young players to make the lineup on a regular basis. He's doing away with, well, we'd like you to sit in the press box for 20 or 30 games. Why? At that point, put them in Laval. At that point, leave them in junior. I get it. You can see the ice from a different advantage. You can see it from a different perspective. You might be able to pick up things here and there as to positional play. puck movement transition game makes sense but not for 20 or 30 games if you're not going to get to apply all of that that you have picked up or learned on a regular basis what's best for you is ice time you need to be on the ice whether that's in montreal whether that's in laval whether that's on your junior team your international club wherever you need ice time to perfect your game and strengthen your game and make your game more consistent ken hughes has given all that There isn't a trade he's yet to make including his involvement right up to the Eric Carlson trade, that he has not come out the winner of that trade. I just do not understand the constant questioning of Ken Hughes. Is it jealousy? The guy is a phenomenal general manager, and for those that have followed the Montreal Canadiens for a long time, he's the best general manager that's been in Montreal since Sam Pollock. Martin St. Louis has already become the best coach in Montreal since Scotty Bowman. Jeff Gordon has already become the best, you <laughs> executive in Montreal, fill in the blank. Yeah, there's been other crowd favorites. There's been other people that have been given, oh, should we say status that they may or may not have lived up to. But these guys have already put their stamp on the team and have already turned around a team that had absolutely no type of development department at all. Montreal has been able to draft fairly well for a long time. Bergevin drafted far better than most people and left Montreal a treasure chest you <laughs> of prospects that they'll now be benefiting from, especially from Cole Caulfield onward, okay? Also in Cole Caulfield's draft, you'll have the Jason Strubels. Also prior to that, you had Jordan Harris in 2018. And then of course in 2020 and 2021, those drafts are just phenomenal for Bergevin. So Montreal's been able to draft fairly well. Montreal's problem up to the Jeff Gordon administration has been player development because they've brought up the Alex Galchenyuk's way too early, and Kakanyemi. Way too early. You could go on and on and on. The biggest problem that Montreal has had is they haven't put players in a position to succeed. Jeff Gordon, Kent Hughes, Martin St. Louis are doing that. Top to bottom. They are building an elite team. They get it. They're modern executives with a unique skill set. St. Louis was a player. St. Louis was a Stanley Cup champion. St. Louis was undrafted. St. Louis had the heart of a lion every game that he played and he's brought that passion and brought that vision to the head coaching position. Kent Hughes is a modern day 25 year experienced players agent. He sees players from many more perspectives and views than any general manager probably ever has. The only other player agent that I can think of that's ever even been a general manager is Mike Gillis in Vancouver. But Kent Hughes has set the world on fire in player development, analytics, St. Louis was largely His choice, his familiarity, along with Jeff Gordon's familiarity of the New England, Hockey East, NCAA, Big Ten. Tremendous knowledge of hockey programs around the country and around the world. They've done exceptionally well drafting. And yes, let's just put in here, Jurev Savkowski was the player they should have drafted. Montreal has wanted a huge prototypical power forward who can skate, and most importantly, who can score and cause disruption in front of the net, and that's exactly what they got. Anybody that's judging Uriah Slavkowski on 39 games only that he got to play, not even by choice, but because he was limited to by injury, is out of their mind. If you're going to sit there and say, well, he only got 10 points in 39 games last year, he's a dud. He's a waste of a first pick overall. Really? 39 games only? It would be hard for somebody to call themselves a relevant hockey fan and have any knowledge of the sport making a judgment like that. That would be horrendous. Jeff Gordon, a modern general manager, assistant general manager with the Boston Bruins, general manager with the New York Rangers, has his pulse and is one of the most well-respected and connected men in the National Hockey League from the league office all the way down to college and further down ranks than that. As far as personnel, coaches, athletic directors, knows an unbelievable amount of people. So I don't get it. How are people questioning these guys? People are also wanting to question Kent Hughes's trade for Alex Newhook. Oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I would have given away the 31st and 37th pick. Well, I wanted Montreal to pick Alex Newhook in his draft because I didn't think Cole Coffee was still going to be available, and Alex Newhook was a hell of a player. Kent Hughes, Knew him as a youth hockey player moving forward. I would say that gives him an abundance of knowledge most aren't going to have. Number one, so he didn't do it with his eyes shut. He didn't pull the trigger on a blind trade. The kid's loaded with talent. He can play wing, he can play center. To me, the kid has a golden opportunity in front of him as the right wing to Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield's line. Or you flip Cole Caulfield from left wing to right wing, Suzuki at center, and you put Slavkovsky on that line. But I I think it's better with Newhook on the right, Suzuki at center, and Cole Caulfield on the left, which sets you up for a great second line option with Josh Anderson, who's by many wanted to be seen as having a breakout season and having a come-together career year. He could have that with the center of Kirby Dock and Uribe Stokoski on his left wing. And think about the height and size of that line, all of them. Six foot four, all of them, 200 pounds plus, and in some cases, approaching 240. That is a brutal second line to play against. They are going to do some serious damage. And getting back to Slavkovsky for a second, if he was to have a 20-goal, 20 20-assist 20 season in his second year, is that like the end of the world or something? I mean, how many people expected him? He only had seven games of international experience before playing in the Olympics or in the World Cup championships on TPS in Finland. Did anybody really think he was going to come over and be a 50-50, 100-point scorer? 50 goals, 50 assists, 100 points in his rookie year? Not likely. He's going to be a power forward. I think he's going to be a really good player. I think he and Logan Cooley are going to be the two best players to come out of the 2022 draft. Now, that said, my pick was Logan Cooley. We'll see. But if they both turn out to do really, really well, Montreal needs size. Everybody is always ready to scream at the first moment they can, oh my God, man, how many small players you're going to have on your roster? How many more 5'8", 5'9", 5'10", under-190-pound guys are you going to have? Well, everybody should be in love with Slikoski then. 6'4", 238. That's hardly small. He's a giant, even among most established NHL players. Give the guy a chance. He's played 39 games. Now, would I have started him in the NHL last year? No. I wouldn't have put him in the AHL either. I would have sent him back to TPS. Quite honestly, it's rare that I would ever... Start a player in the National Hockey League under the age of 20 years old. The exceptions to that I can think of are three: Sidney Crosby, Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky. Other than those three, Steve Eiserman started at 18 years old. There was a couple in his beginning, there was a couple of years that were tough for him. It's very rare. I think still the draft age should be 20. I think those extra years of development would turn out players if people are impressed with the talent level of these kids now. Imagine if they had two years to continue to. Excel and put their games together, how much even better they'd be. Now, do they eventually get there in the National Hockey League? Sure. Your Jonathan Toez's, your Patrick Kane, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Alexander Ovechkin. Yeah, absolutely. Those guys have all become stars. But to a lot of other players, those extra two years, yeah, of course they want to get to the NHL as quick as possible. That's the dream. That's what they've grown up obsessing about every moment of their life. They would hate to be have that put off any further. But if it could enhance their careers to the point of literally hitting the ice as a star and being more physically mature able to handle that grind which is unbelievable the grind that these guys have to deal with the wear and tear on their body just look at the massive amount of injuries that Montreal has sustained the last two years Goes to show you the physical impact on players. They would have phenomenally better careers. But this has gotten out of hand. I'm just wondering where these ridiculous ridiculous concepts are coming from are there just people that have no life no real purpose in their life nothing really to do with their time if if they don't find somebody else to pick apart they just find their days to be without purpose i mean honestly it's time for a new hobby time for maybe another part-time job something other to fulfill your life with because that is just nuts especially to pick apart a management team or any individual member of it that have excelled at every thing they've done now i'm not painting these people as the great white hope or the next messiah or anything else will there be bad trades i'm sure there will be at some point in time but it hasn't happened yet and it's really concerning that people are just on this like attack mode or attack you know binge that oh we've got to question them now before anything happens how about letting people do their job it's like there's a bunch of those little yapping dogs just nipping at somebody's ankle just to be annoying And speaking of annoying, now that Jeff Petrie's been traded to Detroit, everybody's like, oh, well, you know, now the big problem we got to start is we got four goaltenders. What is going to happen with Sam Montembeau, Jake Allen, Caden Primo, and Casey DeSmith? I don't know. Preseason will start. You'll see which two should be in Montreal. Now, I will say this... When it's selected by the team, by the coaching, by the play of the players themselves, only two of those four are gonna be able to stay in Montreal. You're not gonna be able to carry three or four goaltenders all year. So somebody is getting traded in goal. Interestingly, although there's been conversation about Sam Montembeau's next contract and what that should be worth, even if he has a 60 game played, 2.20 goals against or less goals against average this coming season in 23-24, he is a $3 million goal goaltender for three years with his new contract he hasn't put together a lights out number of years in a row let's be rational about this before anybody starts wanting to throw around five six or more million dollars per year no Montreal is not in a position to pay a goaltender that because Montreal is not that close to a Stanley Cup winning team right now if they were three or four years ahead and had everything else in place and that was like the final piece yeah you could have that player come off their initial contract, signing their new long-term high salary deal. They're not in that position. Sam Mountainbo does not need to be signed to a five or six year five or six million dollar contract that would just be nuts moving forward in goal Jake Allen's health has to be a concern he was one of many players that were injured last year as well as the year before so that has to play into this and which two of the four best work together Caden Primo unfortunately when he was coming out of Northeastern I thought had a real shot he came out of Northeastern after two great years came into the AHL had a solid showing In the AHL. I'm like, wow, that was a steal in the seventh round. Unfortunately, since then, other than the AHL playoffs last season, briefly, because they got knocked out really quick in the AHL playoffs, he hasn't done much. At this point, he has shown nothing that would garner him getting the backup or starting position in Montreal. Regarding Casey DeSmith, I think there's a fair amount of internal information that he, I don't think, wants to play in Montreal. I don't think he was crazy about getting traded to Montreal. I think he wants to stay in the U.S. And there's nothing wrong with that if he does. But if that's the case, I have no doubt Ken Hughes will deal with that before the start of the season. He's not going to go into the regular season with that hanging over his head. He doesn't need that. Again, another incredible accomplishment by this management team has been to defuse and eliminate all the locker room disruption, all the chemistry issues. If you want to be here, great. If you don't, we will get you moved out in a way that best serves this organization. It'll get you out of here can't guarantee it'll be to where you want to but you will get out of here because we want to make sure this organization is completely on board completely in sync and everybody wants to be here because if not you have disruptions and that's a problem and as we're talking about goaltenders and the future of goal there's already people that want to anoint jacob fowler as the next great Montreal goaltender. My God, he hasn't even started his college career yet at Boston College. He's been in the U.S. development program. Yes, Fowler had an amazing year last year by even a better playoffs. Great. How about we let him go to Boston for at least a couple of years and see what his game transitions into? And if he's that great and he's the guy, perfect. But let's take it easy on the anointments. I still believe to this point, Jakob Dabish is the top goaltending prospect in the Montreal organization. And before anybody says, oh great, that's not much to hope for. Hey, he was a fifth pick out of the Big Ten, out of Ohio State and has put together back-to-back very impressive years. He's 6'5", he's 200 pounds, so he's got the physical frame, he's got the tools. Yeah, does he need to work on some things like his lateral movement? Sure, I'm going to get Yes, he does. I don't know the guy. I'm not a personal trainer of him in any way, shape, or form. I'm sure there's some things for him to work on. I'm sure there were things for Mark Brodeur to work on, even towards the end of his career. Smart goaltenders who want to stay at the top of their game always know there's things to work on. But before anybody gets like, oh, you know, Jakob Dobish was a fifth-round pick. Henrik Lundqvist was a seventh-round pick. Lundqvist was pretty good. I'd say he was more than pretty good. I would say he was one of the elite goaltenders for a long time. I don't know where this kind. Well, you know, if a goaltender's not a first or a second round pick, I mean, just nothing to get excited about they're going to be a journeyman goaltender at best really that's a pretty limited way to look at stuff because there's been a lot of people that have just blown that theory right out of the water another goaltender that Montreal took this year was Yevgeny Volokhin he's in Russia and he has been solid at every level that he's played one of those advantages when you assemble the in-depth scouting staff that Montreal again Kent Hughes Jeff Gordon and others have assembled are able to find talent like that that kid 6'3", 170 right now. Yep, he's got to fill out. He's probably got to gain somewhere between 25 to, I don't know, 40 pounds eventually. So he comes into the NHL 6'3", 200 to 10, somewhere in that range as a goaltender, but don't count him out either. And when you add into that, Quentin Miller, also selected in the 2023 draft. You also have Emmett crotour selected in the 2022 draft. That's five prospects. Montreal's goaltending prospect depth is pretty good. Like everything else, it It just has to be given time to evolve, which apparently nobody wants to do. Everybody's like, we need to know today. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Things take time. It's called planning. Don't forget what Las Vegas did this year. They won the cup with a goaltender that they didn't even start the season with. They won it with their fifth string goaltender. Montreal won a cup in the 70s with a rookie that was acquired by the Boston Bruins who played at Cornell University. He was a rookie. He played no more than six to eight games that regular season and went on to win the cup. What was his name? Oh yeah, Ken Dryden pretty good goaltender. Personally, I think the best goaltender, period. To have played the game with the only other people in that conversation, Vladislav Trediak, Jacques Plante, Martin Brodeur. And Brodeur would be the first one off that list. As impressive as his career was, the fact that he played 70 plus games in multiple years, won multiple Stanley Cups, gotta say, Dryden, Trediak, and Plante, hard to beat those three. I mean, at that point, it all becomes subjective, argumentative, personal preference, but statistically speaking, got to be the three best ever. Well, on that note, thank you for tuning in to episode 64 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Steven Stiles. Have an amazing week, and we will be back again soon.